Jerry Depoto joining us right now as he does every week uh, here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Good morning, Jerry. How we doing? Good morning, guys. Good to have you. We uh, we had big Mariner news this week as Ken Griffey Jr. was added to the uh, to the ownership group. What'd you make of it? Uh, a new boss <laughs> or another boss. Uh, I think it's uh, it's so cool to to have someone who is associated with the history of the Mariners in the way that Junior is, and and really who is he touches so many different I guess the generations, the genres, the the players, the executives, the the fans. It's it's such a, a cool way to, to 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 bind the organization together in a meaningful way. I think it's really neat. How will it affect you? I mean, will he will he have an influence and an effect on what you do with your job every day? Uh, and I guess in some way, everybody I come across has an influence on what I do, just because I I, I care what they think. But you know, at the at the end of the day, the, he is part of uh, the ownership partnership, and everything functions through John. And and uh, you know, one of the the understandings that I have is that as we've restructured. You know, the business and the baseball are, operate separately, but under the same hood. And, and that has gone wonderfully well with Katie. And as I report to ownership, I don't think it'll change, you know, with Junior in, in place or not. I work through John. I answer to, to our, our partners. But at the end of the day, they're, they, they do give me the autonomy to do my job. And I imagine that Junior is the same. Do you think he can help? I mean, and we talked a little bit last week after we were talking about the Hanniger article of like, hey, is that a, a recruiting tool? Can Junior help with recruiting once you get into that free agency stage of an offseason? Well, we've already tapped into that. <laughs> it's a, you know, the, the quick answer to that is absolutely yes. And, you know, it's, it's something that initially when, when we sat down this past week and, and Junior was in town, we asked him, hey, when free agency opens up, will you be interested in getting on the phone and, and uh, make it a pitch toward the guys that we're most interested in bringing to Seattle? And it immediately he said, I'd love to do that. Well, I would imagine that's a pretty uh, important call to receive. If I, if I'm a young player who's maybe hitting free agency for the first time, I mean, they're all of the age to have grown up watching Ken Griffey Jr. Right, and if not worshiping the man, the moment you take that phone call, it's got to have a pretty good effect. Oh, it's got to be a hell of a lot better than hearing from me. <laughs> and I, you know, I, I would I would also say that you know he has that again. He covers so many. You know, his range is so great. Uh, when when you talk to Ken Griffey Jr., you know who you're talking to. You know, as soon as he speaks, you just you recognize his voice, the energy, the way he goes about it, and you know, uh, and then the world of, or I guess the generation of Zoom uh, or, or Microsoft Teams, we have the ability to to get face to face with people, even if they're not here with us. So it's, uh, I think it's a it's a great recruiting, I guess option for yeah. us and one that he seems to be invested well, in. I just love taking part of. I love in the press conference. He's like, yeah, I talked to some of my friends about whether to do this. You know, Michael Jordan, Derek Jeter. It's like, oh, right. <laughs> yeah, that's who I call when I need advice also. So, yeah, he, he kind of works in a different stratosphere maybe from us mere mortals. This, uh, I, I think that's the – sometimes it, it, he's got great stories, and, and sometimes I sit there and I'll, an hour will go by, and you're listening to the stories and the different people that he's come across in his life, and it's, uh, it is, it's wildly entertaining, and it's also fascinating to think that, that over the last you know, 30 years plus that that's what his life has been like. But sure, he's one of them. He's one of those people yep. that, 
that you, when you bring up the name, you're like, yeah, it's the circles I roll in. Pretty amazing. Talking to Jerry DePoto as we do every week here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Uh, watching the World Series tied now at a game apiece, it is just amazing watching these pitching staffs for all of the teams in the postseason just seem to be battered. And I, and I know you talked a little bit about it last week and saying uh, that, that even the, the effects still of COVID and the short season the year before have, have affected that. But it's got to be such a reminder of the importance of pitching depth as you head into next year and trying to build a real contender. Well, I, I've said this before, and I think you've probably heard me say it. You know, if, if we have a 12 or a 13-man staff, you know, you're kidding yourself if you think that's enough. If five starters, you're kidding yourself if you think that's enough. And, you know, it's why we've experimented with different things from six-man rotations to, you know, deeper bullpens to trying to be – it's why right now in the league so many teams are – scratching the surface of two-way players you know guys who might be able to to provide two functions on a roster it's it is more a concern now than it has ever been and i, and I do think that that is largely due to to the i guess it's the ramifications of the 2020 season and uh, we knew that innings were going to be very difficult to build this year for a lot of pitchers and and frankly we didn't know what it would look like in 21 after going from you know 60 or 80 innings to 180 or 200 innings, you know, what does 2021 look like, particularly for those teams that went through a long postseason? Do you think that the six-man rotation was effective in doing what you hoped it would do? Uh, we think so. You know, it, it, primarily because the, the, I guess, the routine that it allowed guys to get into was it, – it was not as shocking to the system. Pitching once a week was a little bit different than, than what they'd been used to, and it gave them a little bit of a slower on-ramp. But more importantly, what it did was it just conserved innings on the front end. And, you know, there's every inning has a different level of stress associated with it. And, you know, you may pitch five innings of high-stress, high-traffic baseball that aren't as impactful or physically exerting as nine innings of cruising through, you know, it, see John Means v. Mariners back in the in the early uh, spring. But, you know, those are it, those are two different types of things. And, and when we were able to to maintain that six man rotation, we allowed our pitchers to to de-stress their arms, so to speak. And and I think it did help. And, you know, it, it allowed us to bring pitchers along at a pace we were comfortable with. And, and while I can't say certainly that it helped us stay healthier because we did lose quite a few pitchers early. Uh, we do feel like it allowed us to maintain good innings targets that hopefully protect us in 2022. Because I, I think it's been fairly evident that that we have viewed these last two or maybe even three seasons as as something of a, an ongoing story that we're trying to manage around a global pandemic in the middle of a rebuild. And and there's some it's some nuances to it for sure. Uh, another guy uh, that you acquired this year was was Abraham Toro, and and I think he's a really interesting player. I know he's somebody that you had wanted and been interested in for a long time. Do you have a sense he's another positional flexible guy? And you've mentioned that a couple times here on the show. Do you have a sense of where you'd like him to be and what his best position is long term? Well, his best position currently is third base. That's the position he's played most, the one he's most comfortable with. And frankly, from a if just an eyeball test, it's the one he handles, you know, the, the easiest. When we acquired him, we played him at second base. He had played some second base. We believed he was athletic enough to pick it up, but primarily his exposure had been at first and third. And uh, you know, that's a we see him long term 
as either a second or third baseman and you know third base the most comfortable and you know a lot of it's going to depend on what our roster looks like moving ahead but one of the reasons why we were so attracted to him in the first place was because of his athleticism and perceived versatility and and it, and it worked out to be true and and we do like the, the contact oriented bat that he brings to the table he's got on base skills when do these trade talks start? Like, are you already having conversations with other GMs? I mean, does this is it not until the winter meetings if they even take place this year? When when do those conversations pick up for the off season? You know, they already have, and uh, you know, typically the way it works is the teams as as the teams that are not involved in the postseason, and to some extent, the teams that have started to drop off uh, the the postseason, I guess, docket. We we, we talk on a daily, weekly basis, check in with the other teams, determine what their direction is, where you might match up in trade. And where it really starts to kick in is right about the time the World Series will end, we'll have the general manager's meetings down in, in uh, San Diego or Carlsbad, California this year. And that has turned into more of the trade hub than the winter meetings. Most of the the discussions and, and the real heavy lifting and, and getting trades done starts nor even culminates at the GM meetings. And between that time in, in early November and roughly the, the start of the winter meetings in early December is, is where it really gets done. And I think you'll see that the market in November, the trade market will probably pick up, but it's all starting and, and has started over these last two weeks. Is this going to be an active off season, you think? Uh, I, I think it's going to be a pretty active month of November in terms of, you know, recruiting those free agents for us. And, and I think across the league lining up on where you trade, because uh, so many teams, it, we spent the better part of the last six years in a league that was very much dominated by, let's call it the super teams. And you know, what the Astros have been for the last half dozen years, where the Yankees were, where the Red Sox were, uh, and, and you could even line the Cleveland Indians up in there for a good bit of time. And you know, we've, I think we've graduated from that point in the American League. And uh, they're, they're no longer appear to be obvious super teams moving forward. And there are a lot of teams that were in the, the middle and or that have gone through recent rebuilds that I think are ready to emerge. Yeah. And you know, that's going to make for a very interesting offseason because now instead of you know four teams running the table, uh, you've got roughly, I think, eight or ten teams uh, that view themselves as, as being – in a position to contend next year. And that should make for a really interesting month of November for sure and offseason in general. Will you mention again that your payroll might be higher so that we can break pretend news again? Every every time anyone in the Mariners organization says the payroll may go up, it like becomes news all over again. It's like, I think we've been through this before, so I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. I'm lo- I can't wait for this offseason. Can't wait to see what happens. It was right around Thanksgiving that you made the big Mitch Hanniger deal. So, I mean, these things do tend to happen earlier than I think people are often expecting. Can't wait to see it, and we'll talk to you next week, Jerry. Thank you. You got it, guys. Talk to you then.